welcome to this episode of Every Child Can Learn. My name's Phil Maycumber. I am the creator of The Pact and also the author of the Every Child Can Learn book series. Remember, big or tall, short or small. When it comes to education, we talk about it all. So I'm very excited for this episode today because it revolves around empowering parents. Parents are among the most important people in the lives of young children. And the role of parents in their child's development is never ending, as we know. Parents develop the character of their child. Now, they not only shape how a child thinks, but also how that child problem solves, makes decisions, and be social. But parents need support. They have many different needs. We know that not one single approach is right for all parents. Just like you have heard me say before, that not one single approach is right for every child. It is not cookie cutter. So how can we empower parents to have a greater customized impact on their child's learning, growth, and development? Our guest in this episode, Amy Jacob Schroeder, is here to answer that question. Let me tell you a bit about Amy. Amy started serving children on the autism spectrum, along with other special needs populations, in 1998. In her daily work, she holds a tremendous amount of respect for parents who have children with special needs and the work and worry they carry. Amy's goal is to create a shortcut for parents to help their child's goals be simple. And you know how much I love simple, but ensuring that growth and progress are steady. This led her to author her blog titled The Parent-Led Revolution, which brings professional strategies to parents in a simple family-friendly format. Simply brilliant. Amy's also the co-founder of Happy Ladders, an online early intervention platform for parents in California, which we will discuss later in this episode. I immediately connected with Amy Jacob Schroeder and her philosophy of how to empower parents in their child's education. Her methods are simple, straightforward, and practical. Amy not only delivers help, but also hope to families who have children with special needs. Welcome, Amy. Hello. Wow. Thank you, Phil. That was a great, great intro. Well, well earned for sure. I am a fan of your work, as you know, and I'm very excited for this conversation today. And so I think what I'd like to do to kick off our conversation is to ask you just to outline what the typical paths of support for parents related to their child's learning, growth, and development are available in the early years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I can um, I can speak to what that looks like uh, specifically here in California, but I think it's pretty similar across the country. Um, generally, parents are um, left to kind of have to notice that there is something different about their child's development. And uh, usually they are led to maybe mention that at a um, at one of their children's well child visits with the pediatrician. Yeah. 
historically, um, you know, pediatricians have not always been real aggressive about making referrals or or really, you know, wanting to kind of create cause for concern. And they've taken kind of a, a wait and see approach. And I think that oftentimes parents in the moment like to hear that, um, but they still leave with that like gut feeling of, I don't know. And um, it might not be until they go back for another visit that they say again to the pediatrician, okay, hey, he's still not talking or um, it's really hard to go out in the community or whatever it might be. And at that point, I think that's when pediatricians start to make referrals and, and things. And so, um, so there's a window of time where I think parents know, um, but they just don't have the resources yet to do anything about it. Yeah. And that's so disconcerting because, you know, when you have a lot of question marks, as you and I have talked about, you know, that causes anxiety, right? And I think that what you offer is a way to get rid of that anxiety and for parents to have a greater voice. So I'd like to ask you uh, then to move forward to how can we improve this kind of support for parents, right? So that we can better empower them to have a greater impact with their child. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think you touched on something really, you know, big for me as I'm a, a mom of five. And um, because of the field that I work in, I watched my baby's development um, very closely. Mm -hmm. And so I've been um, really sympathetic to parents who, yeah, are are in that phase of, of worrying and anxiety. And so I, I think that a lot of my work has centered, centered especially re recently, my, my work has centered around how to help parents just manage that worry and anxiety more than anything. Yeah. You know, I think we want to help their children um, develop and, and progress and do well. Um, but immediately we need to help parents feel better so they can function because, uh, you know, a non-functioning parent is, um, you know, it's not a good thing. It, so well, exactly. <laughs> How do you help parents manage that worry, Amy? Well, so my solution has been to give parents some really easy, simple, tangible things that they can do with their kids at home right away to help target some of their developmental needs. And, um, you know, for a lot of kids, that's, you know, maybe focusing on some of just some basic communication needs, um, looking at some early play skills, some early socialization games that parents can play at home. That's typically yeah. where we start. You know, Amy, I love that word tangible, right? Because that's where the practical comes in as well. So can you even just for our listening audience, explain and maybe even give an example of a tangible, and you mentioned play, let's relate it to play. Could you share with our audience maybe what a play strategy you might deliver to a parent? Yeah, well, first we look at, you know, kind of where the child is. So what are they doing developmentally? Where where do they need some support? And I think, you know, that's something that a lot of parents struggle with because they look at a child's chronological age and they think, well, they should be doing this. Um, but when we look at developmentally where they're at, they might need to start at a much earlier point. Um, so you know, some of the things that we recommend for parents are just simple social games. So getting back to things like um, working on games like peekaboo and hide and go seek 
and you know naming somebody who's hiding behind a chair and the child has to find them um you know things that some kids learn you know in infancy um, but some kids don't and so if they don't we need to go back and kind of work on those things so telling parents um, teaching them how to just play simple games of peekaboo peek and what they need to to look for um, a lot of the kids that that i work with will prefer to play alone and so we encourage parents to um, just slowly try to get in their space, not to, you know, jump in and bombard and ask a lot of questions and do a lot of actions and motions with their toys, but to maybe just inch, you know, a little bit closer and um, try to increase the amount of time that maybe their child will tolerate them kind of working in the same space. And so, you know, really looking at kind of those initial expectations and taking some really um, small baby steps toward the goal. You know, what you just said made me think about a few things uh, when I have served this uh, early childhood population. Uh, I remember uh, working and being called in as a consultant for a child on the autism spectrum who really wasn't socially interacting very much. And it was... Um, similar to like a parent play group. And it was an in-person kind of thing where parents brought their kids and the kids were interacting and the parents were learning strategies. But I remember Jacob did not want anything to do with any of the kids. He didn't want anything to do with any of the adults mm -hmm. uh, from the parent-child center. And I remember sitting next to him and he was interested in these blocks. And I didn't look at him. I just sat within his space, not infringing on his personal space, but sitting there. And without even looking at him, I just grabbed a block and put my hand over toward him. And he didn't look at me and he just took the block and added uh -huh. it to the structure. And then uh -huh. I grabbed another one. Uh -huh. And then before you know it, we were playing together, right? Yeah. But it, like you said, it wasn't bursting through the front door and demanding interaction. It was a step-by-step I call it the Hansel and Gretel breadcrumb moment, right? <laughs> Where you just yeah, yeah, put yeah, one little great. thing down and the next little thing down. Um, so Amy, do you predominantly work with the early childhood population or do you also serve uh, families that have school-age children? I've, I've done both throughout my career. Right now, my current uh, project is mm -hmm. focused on early intervention. So kids who are in that uh, birth through um, three-year range who are showing, yeah. you know, some developmental needs, but, but I've worked, you know, with um, uh, older school-age children and adolescents and teenagers. Um, I think one of my, my favorite groups is probably the, the adolescents and working with parents and kind of figuring out some strategies and things that they can do to, to oh. better access their kids and their interests and things. And that's, that's a really um, fun spot. And I, you know, focused on some of those things you mentioned that I had a uh, have a blog, um, you know, some of those kind of parent training type strategies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really would like to discuss your blog. But before we do that, um, as I've gotten to know your work in my conversations with you and exploring your website, you don't focus on 100 things, right? You have four key categories that you really support families with. Could you review what those are? 
Yeah. Yeah. So it, it goes back to my, um, you know, days just assessing um, children's development uh, for early intervention programs. And we always uh, would break that down into four main categories. So communication and play and self-help or, you know, independence. Um, and then I also focus on an area that I call community and coping. coping. So a lot of um, behavioral strategies, um, coping, uh, transitions, going out in the community, um, safety, you know, holding a parent's hand, um, mm -hmm. things like that. So um, most, and, and, it, and those four areas can cover kind of all um, domains within development, socialization and finding gross motor. And, um, you know, my process has always been to start with the developmental skills and, you know, see where a child is at and kind of pick up the ball from that point and, and move it forward bit by bit through those areas. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, I say to educators all the time and to families that sometimes when supporting a child with special needs, you're not sure on any given day what rung of the ladder they're on right? Mm -hmm. Because on some days, they might be very regulated. They might be in a space uh, to better communicate. And then on another day, they're at a lower rung on the ladder. And just to quote what you said, you need to meet them where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. And go from there. Mm -hmm. So just to summarize, Amy, and if we could do it numerically, the four categories. So number one would be, say, communication. What would number two be? Play. Play and socialization. Play. Play and socialization. Then number three. Self-help. Self-help. Okay. And number four. We call community and coping. Yeah. And I love that because that's the worry and gives you a fright category sometimes. Um, it's, you know, it's the stuff that makes life a little bit hard. It's the, you know, the, uh, it's the leaving the fun places, the, you know, transitioning to things that we don't want to do. Um, the safety behaviors, like I said, you know, holding someone's hand, looking both ways before we cross the street, staying with the parent, you know, when we're in public places, things like that. Right. And, you know, I'm sure that some of the educators that might be listening to this are also thinking about, you know, how that even relates to school age children and having them in a school building. You know, I've been supporting many students, you know, whether they were on the autism spectrum or they had Down syndrome, for example that I affectionately refer to as bolters and they would actually leave the school building and yeah. it that's frightening right you know there's so many different layers of fear and anxiety that are attached to that and it's so nice that that's a, a key area that you provide support with because I love the way you said that it makes life hard yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so let's talk about your blog because there are so many helpful tips in there. And so the name of your blog is The Parent-Led Revolution. Could you share the uh, link and spell it out for our listeners if they would like to access that? Yeah, yeah. So the blog, like you mentioned, is um, called The Parent-Led Revolution. And it's at parent-led.com. So P-A-R-E-N-T-L-E-D.com. And um, this is kind of a, a passion project that I started during COVID when, um, you oh. know, everything shut down uh -huh. and, um, you know, some of us found ourselves with a little bit more uh, free time. And, you know, I really started to feel 
as many parents did, the world shift where, you know, I have always been talking about how um, to help parents kind of take control and, and help them do a lot of the things that they relied on the professionals to do. But, you know, with pandemic shutdowns, it was it was actually necessary <laughs> because those professionals weren't available, especially, you know, before we started looking at things like telehealth. And um, so the blog was really kind of born out of that time and trying to give parents once again, some, some tangible, simple things that they could do um, to help move their kids a little bit further along, um, but also help them deal with some of those things that were making life just harder. Um, you know, not being able to go to the park. Um, right. You know, yeah. 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 So meaningful. And uh, what year did you start your blog? You know, I think I started it in April of 2020. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's when everything hit the fan, right? Well, and we were, and I was, you know, um, trying to work from home and, you know, with my five children mm -hmm. and going, wow, this is interesting. So uh, <laughs> I, <bet. laughs> I, I think I was, you know, thinking about a lot of the parents that, that I, you know, at the time I was running an in-home agency and we were used to working with parents in person and going to their homes and um, all of a sudden we couldn't do that anymore. And so I was feeling for a lot of them and, you know, wanting to give them a resource that might be helpful during that time. Yes. So a, a question about the blog, it's a text-based blog, like you would read tips and articles and is there any video or audio component to it? Or is it no. like an article-based tip kind of thing? Yep. Just an article-based blog. And we, um, we've had a few professionals um, from the ABA field also contribute um, right. to it in terms of um, uh, looking at parent-led intervention. Um, it's also referred to as parent-mediated intervention. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, just kind of naturally, how can, how can parents do some of those things at home with their kids? Yeah. And you know, Amy, what I love about that is that, you know, your blog focuses on here's a tip and it's focused and there's details and easy to implement. You know, in school, I call that as use the next day strategies. And that's really what this is because I've had an opportunity to explore your blog. And uh, and it's simple, right? Like you don't need like tons of technology. You're just reading about these tips and it's easy to understand. But you also have started another project, which is very exciting. And I think in our remaining minutes, I'd like you to briefly talk about Happy Ladders. Yeah, yeah. So Happy Ladders is uh, my newest project and my kind of um, newest evolution in parent-led intervention. And uh, what we've done with Happy Ladders is create um, an early intervention uh, curriculum that parents can do at home. There's some built-in assessments so they can figure out exactly where their, their child is in all the areas that we outlined a minute ago. And um, then from there, the software kind of assigns them activities that they can do at home through play and just regular uh, routines. And um, you said something that I really liked. You said, use the next day strategies. And yeah. when we were developing Happy Ladders, I wanted it to be easy enough that if a parent got access at 10 o'clock at night, you know, a busy, stressed out, worried parent, um, 
signed on at, at 10 o'clock at night um, because they needed some help and needed some support that by eight o'clock the next morning, they could be implementing some things with their child to you know, help their child developmentally, but also just help that parent feel like they have some control over their situation, like they're moving in a, in a positive direction. And, um, you know, I, I think that we have um, successfully done that. Right. Because just like I had said, when I was introducing you, it, it's simple. The strategies you're giving are simple, but it's ensuring forward movement of growth and development, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a step. Well, your breadcrumb example is perfect, right? It's a step-by-step, you know, um, uh, kind of handbook, if you will, on, yeah. you know, oh, I love that. To, to take some of the, you know, to take a, a lot of the the questions and the unknowns out. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know from experience that parents, parents put a lot of trust in the professionals and they really look up to the professionals and they think that the professionals know a lot that they don't know as a parent. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really, one of my goals is to break down some of these concepts for parents to show them that what the professionals know isn't really that complicated. It's a process, you know, like we all, we all learn a process. We learn how to assess a child and then we learn how to write goals for that child. And then we learn how to, to target those goals, you know, um, in a meaningful way for that child. And it's, it's just a process that we've learned and that we've practiced and parents can do the same thing. There's not anything, you know, that complicated about it. And that's what we're really trying to do is just help create a process for parents. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, I am Italian and I love to cook and I have often described what you just said about the process as a good recipe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am not a professional chef, but I'm a pretty good cook, right? Uh Because I have the desire to learn to do that. And, uh, and it's, I get a lot, a lot out of it. I get joy out of that. And it sounds as if you are bringing the joy to parenting children with special needs. And I commend you for that. It's been a true pleasure having you in this episode. And uh, could you do a shout out of happy ladders to those families that are in California? Yeah, yeah. So um, happy ladders is at happyladders.com. So H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S.com. And we currently are contracting with some of the um, California Regional Center systems uh and hope to um start contracting with with even even more there's 21 regional centers here in the state of california and we are working through their early start program so um, for parents in california that have a infant or toddler and they're concerned about development um, they can actually go to the regional center and request um, an assessment and if their child is is eligible they can then get early start um, services to help them. Wonderful. And what my hope is, just based on the conversations I've had with you, is that this could expand outside of your home state of California because it offers such value. So I really look forward to following your success and expansion of this. And I want to thank you for such a wonderful conversation. 
So that is another episode of Every Child Can Learn. You could uh, find out more about this book series on Amazon with my second book, Every Child Can Learn, Your Roadmap to Inclusive Education, which also includes a chapter from a parent and also a chapter on moving from family involvement to family engagement. And you can find out more about my work at aboutthepact.com. That's about, A-B-O-U-T, the, T-H-E, pact, P-A-C-T.com, aboutthepact.com.